You're listening to the American Window Cleaning Magazine podcast. We're going to be talking today with uh, Jacob Wallace with ABC Window Cleaning Supply. Jacob, uh, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing really well. How are you, Mike? Good. How is the weather in Denver? It's cold. Um, I, I've seen some other cleaners in other parts of the country even colder than us, so I don't want to sound like a wimp, but we're in the 40s here. Yeah, okay. It's pretty chilly here in the Midwest, too. So that's, I'm sure. uh, yeah, that's the, that's the time of the year it is. So Indeed. Hey, uh, we're going to talk about a topic today that's uh, kind of near and dear to uh, both of our hearts a bit. Uh, um, I eat and breathe and dream safety. And uh, our topic today is uh, safety plans, or a rescue plan rather, and the importance of having one. And uh, it is very important. Uh, it's actually mandated, right, by OSHA. The new uh, 1910 subpart D requires that there be a rescue plan in place. And um, what do you see uh, in the industry? Why is this even a topic? Why, why are we even talking about this? Uh, I think a couple reasons. Um, we've all seen the incidents on um, the news where uh, somebody gets stuck and the fire department has to come rescue them. Um, and, and it seems pretty pervasive in our industry uh, that people just don't know, you know, like the the term rescue plan hasn't entered their vernacular. They're not even sure, uh, you know, what that would mean. Uh, and they, you know, a lot of them haven't made any plans for it. Um, and, and like you said, it's mandated uh, and it's important because, uh, you know, you could save people's lives uh, in case of an incident. And then I, I think, um, I'm sorry, I'm answering your question so, uh, so long, but uh, I think it's also important for raising the legitimacy of the window cleaning industry um, to, to have people be educated well and um, and not have you know the fire department be your rescue plan. Yeah, no, I agree. And and for far too long, uh, that really has been the the plan is you know for whatever it's swing stage or if it's rope descent work or whatever, guys uh, hanging off a building, mainline severs. He's hanging from a safety line, and we're calling nine one one. Fire department's going to come. They're going to either set up a rescue system themselves, or they're going to bust a window out and take him in in the the glass. So. Um, yeah, it really is misfortunate, and um, because it's mandated, it would just seem that there would be, um, you know, there there would be it would it would be of more importance to a lot of people that are doing this type of work. Yeah, you would think so, but I mean, as you and I both know, things move slowly. So, like uh, in a another industry, the people that do um, like the the power lines and they climb the wood poles. It was only a couple of years ago that OSHA even um, finally put together a regulation that they needed to be 100% tied off while they were climbing those poles. And then adoption of uh, equipment to make that happen was uh, incredibly slow. Um, you know, and so even to this day, even though it's mandated and even though to some of us it seems obvious, uh, you know, people in that industry still haven't even heard about it. Um, so, so things just move slowly, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, when we, uh, do safety trainings and that we, uh, address this issue of what we call self-rescue and that's kind of a broad term really, but, um, 
we kind of break it down into three different categories. One being what I call, it's, it's just a bonehead move, right? It's, it's what I call a rope grab hang. So a guy has, he's in his chair, he's, you know, for whatever reason, his rope grab is positioned, you know, wherever at. He, he goes through his descender and he forgets to bring his rope grab down or it didn't trail or whatever it is. And now the descent device is out of play and uh, you're hung by your rope grab. Nothing really in danger, but it's just, it's, it's, it's something that has to be navigated. Yep. And so, um, you know, this one's pretty easy. You know, a lot of guys will teach it just a, a foot loop in the rope and stand up in it and, and grab the, the rope grab. Um, you might use a, a Jumar with a, a ladder string or a foot loop, step up into it, remove your, your rope grab. So that, that one is, is probably, I would say it's the easiest one and it's also probably the most trained. The most trained? Um... Yeah. I mean, most guys, I think, can get out of that situation. Yeah, I would certainly think so, yeah. Yeah. So the next one then is basically when we get to a, um, a mainline sever, right? So the mainline has severed for whatever reason. Now you've transferred to uh, the, the safety line. And really, how would you explain? I know how we would, you know, we talk about how, basically how a person is rigged can, can uh, make or break that situation. But uh, a lot of the window cleaners that are traditional window cleaners are just sitting in a bosun's chair with the descent device attached to the mainline rope and they don't have any of that connected to them. So a mainline severs, that means all of that's going to the ground, right? And so they basically have a rope grab. So what's your take on that situation? What would, how would you describe that situation? Yeah, I think um, there's basically a couple types of rescues that a crew could be prepared for uh, in that situation. So you could do a self-rescue, which would be ideal, um, you know, with if the basically the um, the cleaner would need to have the the same sort of equipment you described in the bonehead rescue uh, and have a way to lift themselves and and take off the rope grab. But they'd also need to have like a descender on them, a secondary descender, maybe a figure eight or something, um, so that they could do a descent. Uh, and I, I think you'll probably mention this later too, but, um, relying on self-rescue alone isn't the best idea in case it's not just a mainline sever, but you know, they've, they've fallen and they've hit their head and they're unconscious. You know, you can't do a self-rescue while you're unconscious. So yeah. the, the second, the main one, in my mind is a pickup rescue. And so somebody has to descend down to where you are. They have to transfer you off of your backup line and onto their main line and then descend both the rescuer and, um, and the person they're rescuing, uh, together down to the ground. Um, it's definitely a jump up in complexity. So you need, you know, the right set of equipment. You need something to be able to lift the other person um, so, you know, they can't just use a foot loop and lift themselves. You have to somehow lift them so that you can remove them from their backup line. Um, and then you have to have the training to be able to do that. Um, but I think that's, that's kind of your go-to, that's the most versatile for assisted rescue. Yeah. So I would agree. So assisted rescue, uh, pick them, you know, picking them off. Um, there also, there also could be, um, in that situation where the guy is just basically hanging by his grab, 
he would he is relying on someone else in one in one capacity or the other um, so either it's going to be as you describe another guy's coming over the building to pick him off and I generally will t talk about that more in an unconscious uh, victim but if he's conscious and he can take voice commands and he's he's able we could lower another rope down with the descender on it right that he could connect into yeah that's a that's a really good point um yeah i think that would be very ideal of course yeah and then also um i've seen it too where um a lot of guys will rig the uh safety line in a um you could do it in an id or you could do it in an evac so it's rigged that way to begin with now it doesn't work on I would, I would say it works really well on mid-rise buildings. So you will have to have as much rope up on the roof as you do uh, over the building to the ground. But basically then if a guy goes to his, his safety, you can go up, unlock the evac, and just lower him down to the ground. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that is like, that's the most ideal because you're just like instantly ready to perform that rescue. You don't have to rig up get another person ready to go you're just ready to lower them immediately you know and depending on the situation um the faster you could get them down could make a big difference um from suspension trauma or if, you know if they're bleeding or need some sort of medical attention or whatever the there's definitely a con to that type of rescue in terms of the amount of equipment like you just described so you need you know double the amount of rope uh, you need an extra descender and not just one extra descender, but you'll need to have that same setup rigged for each individual who's doing their descent. Versus if you want to be ready for a pickoff rescue, or like you said, dropping a descender down to the person who can self-rescue, you only need to have one rescue kit for the whole crew, not a separate rigged rescue plan for each individual. Yeah, but Jacob, you're a supplier. Why would you care? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I take <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, no, that is true. So there would be extra equipment involved. Um, now, you know, not necessarily just to, I'm, I'm not trying to be preferential with brands here at all, but um, the, the Petzl Jag Rescue Kit is pretty cool. Um, and again, it does require some training and some expertise, but um, it's, it's pretty neat that it's all self-contained. The, the, uh, the four to one pulley system that's on it, it, it's all it's all contained in and the evac system that's that's basically preloaded with the rope allows you just to lower that victim down uh, right from where you're at. So there's not that there's not necessarily that transfer of them to you. And uh, so it, it's a I think it's a pretty highly effective thing and certainly something that should be on the rooftops of a lot of buildings. You know, I agree. Um, and I'm an unabashed Petzl fan. So um so, so that doesn't bother me at all. I think the Jag Rescue Kit's fantastic. And I think a really key point about it is even if you choose not to use Petzl brand stuff, uh, the, one of the cool things about it is it's pre-rigged. So what the last thing you want is to be in a rescue situation and to be like, okay, I need to, you know, find my rope. I need to figure out how to put my descender on it. How do I put my four to one kit together? Um, you know, and in a high stress situation, all of those things become more difficult. So pre-rigged is the way to go, whether you do the JAG or you make your own or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I wanted to, to, to mention, and I think you would, you'll agree with me on here, but 
Whenever we're talking about a mainline sever, all right, the main line has been cut somewhere. Most of the time, statistically, that's going to be at the edge of the roof uh, for whatever what reason. There's something that's abraded the rope. Uh, one thing that we have to really keep in mind is if we've got a guy hanging from the safety line, whatever abraded the main line is very, very close to the safety line. Uh, true. I, I guess I haven't really thought about that. I would agree with you. Yeah, if something has caused the abrasion and that, and we're following the rules of 15 degree angle or whatever, our safety line is very close. And so that almost, that, that, that in itself uh, expedites the, the mentality that has to happen on the job site because he's on a single line system now. And whatever cut the main line could be close to cutting the safety line. So it just, it just proves that you you have to be you know thinking about this and ready to respond quickly. It can't be you know thirty minutes later. It's got to be right. Uh, got to be soon. Yeah. So uh, actually, uh, I guess just a question for you, Mike. Um, if if you're in that situation and you feel like it's likely that your safety line is in danger because it's close to something that's you know caused the main line failure, uh, how does that affect in your mind? the the fixed lower plan that you described where you have the evac rigged at the top like do you want to start running rope over something that's you know potentially abrading and cutting well yeah and i mean i think i think if that happened a lot of things went wrong in the in the pre-planning to begin with right your rope shouldn't be on a, you know surfaces that are going to braid them they should be protected um but there are times where you know something you know something slips or or whatever but um, the lowering the line down, I mean, at least at least there's another line. If, if, if we're just going to lower one line down, he's still on his safety. If he can connect into the descent device, he's now on a two-line system again. Um, if we did a JAG system or whatever, it, it would be nice if we, if we sent two ropes over, right? So, yeah, one for my safety and one for my ride line, and then we have two ropes then we can work with and get him hopefully attached to, uh, to something if, if one gave out. So it's a tricky situation, and certainly that's why, again, I think even before we talk about rescue plans, there should be a site safety plan, and it should be followed through so that these things don't happen, but oftentimes they don't. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, that the rescue plan is, you know, your last resort, and it's only a component of your overall safety plan, and a really good safety plan is going to make the need for a rescue plan pretty unlikely. And something, you know, like putting your rope over a sharp edge, you're just going to avoid that entire situation with a good safety plan in the first place. Right. No, absolutely. So the next uh, stage of this is really, um, so we've talked about the guy, all the scenarios that we've described so far have been basically a conscious victim, right? So he's, he fell, but he's, he's alert. He can take direction. And so we've got some options there. Um, the other one, though, and it, I kind of think it speaks to a couple different things, but is um, an unconscious victim. So for whatever reason, the, the fall that he took, uh, anything like that, he's, he's smacked his head. Uh, he's, he's unconscious now. He can't take command. So now our, our, if we're not rigged to lower him, which would be an advantage on that if we were because we could just lower him down, right? But if we don't have that option, now we are looking at a, a pick situation. And, but before we pick them, again, 
uh, our industry has been a little slow to adapt this, but I, I've, I'm a big advocate of these window cleaners need to be in helmets. Yes. Yeah. And you know, the best chance we have of a successful rescue, whether it be pick or lowering a line down or anything else is to have you conscious. And, and so the best chance we have of having you conscious in one of these situations is to have that head protected. Yeah, agreed. It's uh, often I talk to people from outside the industry and uh, I know that they'll always be shocked when they ask me about helmets and I tell them most window cleaners don't wear them. Uh, I don't know why it's been so slow to adopt, but I, I hope it will and people will see more high rise cleaners wearing them. It's I mean, I, if I was doing it, I would want to protect my head. Yes. So again, if we're wearing a helmet, the chances are we're probably not knocked out. But if we're if we're not wearing one, now we are an unconscious victim. It makes it very difficult uh, for, I mean, not difficult, but it's, it's another level of thought process and thinking if you're unconscious. And um, so, but now what, what would you recommend then an unconscious, are, are you, we're, we're talking a pick rescue, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm a fan of the pickoff rescue because it's so versatile. Um, you know, cause there, we, we didn't really even mention this, but there are not so much in window cleaning normally, but there, there are situations where the, the fixed lower rescues are problematic because of access or, you know, problems with the, like, it's not just a clear path below the person. Um, so a pickup rescue is just the most versatile option out there, but it's kind of your only option. Like you're saying, if they're unconscious for sure. Yeah. And the one thing I'll say about picks is, um, rescue plans are all fine and good and we can talk them all we want to. We can say, well, my rescue plan is to pick. If, if your rescue plan is a pick, then you need to train pick because yeah. we don't do them enough in our industry. We're, we're not high angle rescue guys, so we're not doing this every day. So there needs to be some training and some drilling uh, in, in the shop in order to know and be familiar with a pick rescue. Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. It's more complicated than other forms of rescue. It takes more equipment and more skills and it really should be practiced regularly. Um, I know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, you, you know more about this than I do, but I believe OSHA says to be competent in a skill, you should practice it at least once a year. Um, but uh, like for a pickup, I would totally have my crew doing it at least you know every quarter, maybe even more often. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And um, it's again, it's just not something we're doing on a regular basis. So there's there's a step and a process to it. And you need to have those processes and steps in your mind so that if if it comes to, to real time here, you can you can do it. So yes. Yeah, for sure. And I know, uh, you know, a lot of the people watching this will be far more experienced at actually doing the work than I am. But I know like the first time I was um, doing some at height work and I was using a Petzl ASAP at the time and I, um, done it a million times on the ground and shown people how to do it. But all of a sudden, once I was, you know, up there, I, you know, I was nervous and my hands were shaking and, uh, you know, I was the new guy on the crew who just looked totally nervous and everybody thought was funny. And, you know, all of a sudden something I knew how to do really well, uh, took, you know, 10 times more brain processing power, you know, and a, a rescue situation is even more stressful than 
than me trying to put my ASAP on my rope correctly. Yeah, no, it is. And the other thing that I think a lot of people don't, uh, and, and it's, it's really, it, it, it can't be simulated in training and it's a disadvantage, but when, when you have a fall on the rope, um, your body goes into uh, weirdness. I mean, it, it's, it's not normal, first of all, and your body starts, I mean, indirectly, it starts saying things to your brain. Hey, I'm on a single line. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm in danger. So when we do these, these trainings and things like that, it's always a, what I call a dry situation, right? It's not real. And so I have seen so many times where a person that, you know, the, the stories around the, the, um, the dead man's grab, right? With the rope grab, where the body will say, I'm going to hold this thing, knowing that all it has to do is let go and it will save him. But the body will hold that in a compressed state to the ground. You know, generally it's the rope burn that finally overrides the brain and says, let go. So the body does weird things in these situations. And so the problem is, is that when we think, you know, oh, well, I'm on a rope grab hang. Okay, well, I just make a loop and I stand up in it. You're not in shock. You're not, you didn't just take a fall. Right. So your abilities uh, are going to be maybe a little different, as you described with your situation in a real life scenario, than even what we train, maybe even in the air. Mm. What, uh, like in your training practice, um, what are some ways that you try to overcome that? Well, we, um, we just like to cut the guy's rope so he can actually feel it. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) No, um, it's just, it's just training and training and training. But, you know, I'm just saying that I'm just trying to make the point that the real life scenarios are a little different than, than training. And... I've, I've seen it in a tripod thing where a guy's doing, uh, where he's actually hanging in a harness and he's trying to, now he didn't take a fall, he's just hanging in a harness and he struggles to make the foot loop to stand up in it, right, to relieve pressure. Um, so I know that if he can't do it there, that if he actually took a fall and the nerves start kicking in and the adrenaline, it's going to be even more challenging. So just familiarization with the process and, and that, but uh, you got you got to train this stuff. That's the thing. Uh, in recognition of the fact that you'll be in a higher stress situation, um, you should set yourself up for success as much as you can. So I always go back to the idea of pre-rigging your rescue kit. Let's not make it so that one of the tasks you need to do now is set up your rescue kit to go perform the rescue. Let's at least have that one already pre-done for you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this topic is very, very, I mean, it's dear to my heart because uh, we just see uh, so many times throughout the year where it it really looks to me like if there was was some additional training, some higher level training, that we wouldn't maybe even see the emergency squad coming and busting out a window or anything else. I don't even talk about the rigging beforehand. I mean, really, there's, there's a way... Uh, to rig, which it's not, it's a little foreign to window cleaners, but it, if we can keep all that attached with us, we, even if we have a mainline sever, really all we do, if, if we were using a Petzl ID, you just basically take the rope out of the ID, you hook it to your, your safety line, and you go, right? There's, there, nobody needs to come get you. <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, again, that's not, it's not common with uh, our industry, but uh, 
you know, maybe yeah. it should, maybe it should be. I, I feel at least encouraged that it's been more of a conversation than I've heard in the past. Um, I, I think it is a growing awareness. Uh, so I, I think that trend will continue. I think it'll have to. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, if you go back, you know, 20, 25 years, remember everybody was, was riding, well, first of all, they were riding one line and there was no safety. Then they went to, uh, you know, Sky Genies and the, the cylinder devices where they ran two ropes through one, one deal. So uh, we, we've progressed, <laughs> maybe not as fast as everybody's like to, but uh, we've, we've certainly progressed as an industry a bit. So. Agreed, agreed. And I, yeah, I don't want to be like the, the person or the people that's always harping on the problems. I, I do. I, I think it's very encouraging how much things have progressed. Yeah, I do too. And there, there does seem to be a renewed emphasis uh, on safety and the OSHA 1910 that was released, uh, the, the general industry standard revamped and including window cleaning and all that, that helped out a lot. It got people thinking and, and more aware of, of what was going on. So uh, what a, it's a great topic. I mean, uh, I think uh, more people uh, should really give some emphasis to this, make sure that's a part of their safety program. Uh, anything else you want to add? I uh, totally agree um, and really grateful for the work that you're doing, Mike. Uh, I think your, your training uh, and your videos and your magazine, um, just really impressed with all of it. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate uh, you being on with us today, and uh, hopefully our listeners will, uh, will gain some insight into rescue plans. Thanks a bunch, Jacob. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please uh, feel free to subscribe and also leave a review, and you can read us anytime at awcmag.com.